Welcome to Wake Up Calls. This is Todd Goodwin. My wife Gina and I are board certified hypnotists with years of experience empowering people to enjoy healthier and more fulfilling lives. There's a myth that hypnotists put people to sleep, but the truth is that we wake them up. So many people sleepwalk through life with no clue what causes their emotions and behaviors. They feel like helpless victims of their anxieties, bad habits, and traumas. Fortunately, we've helped thousands of clients to unlearn those issues, often quickly and easily. What if you could know yourself, accept yourself, and value yourself more than ever before? How would that improve every part of your life? It's possible, and it starts now with self-awareness. Our mission is to help you to wake up so you can think better, feel better, and do better. Podcast topics range from health and wellness to relationships to human behavior and psychology. Our conversations are always informative, often controversial, and sometimes entertaining. Get ready. It's time to wake up. Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to another incredible, mind-blowing episode of Wake Up Calls. I'm Gina Goodwin. And I'm Todd Goodwin. And you are, well, you know who you are. <laughs> uh, we actually have a few a few case studies of some clients we want to share based on the whole idea about dealing with... The root cause. As opposed to the symptoms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first, though, it's really important, given uh, questions we've received from clients over the years, uh, people who are not clients, people in general who ask about how our approach as hypnotists differ from more conventional types of interventions, whether it's psychotherapy, uh, seeing a psychiatrist or a psychologist or some other form of counselor. So there's a few important guiding beliefs that are critically important that influence the outcome that we get with our clients that other professionals may not get. And basically there is a paradigm or a way of thinking that's very different in our work than in conventional talk therapy. And there are a few important principles that guide our work. First, we believe that nearly everyone can overcome their problem. At least the issues that we work with, we believe that people are whole people with thinking problems. They're not diagnoses who are just doomed to have to manage or cope with their symptoms. Or labeled. Exactly. So, for example, if someone has experienced some emotional trauma that has been affecting their life, maybe causing anxiety or leading to addictive behavior, a very common, unfortunate turn of events for a lot of people. As hypnotists, we don't diagnose people. We don't say, well, you have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, or you have anxiety disorder. Or depression. Or depression. We don't diagnose people. Most people already have an idea of what their, their issue is, but the important point I'm trying to make here is that the label is not important. The recognition of what is really causing the symptoms that are labeled, that's what's important. So, for example, trauma is actually a thinking problem. Anxiety is primarily a thinking problem, assuming it's emotionally emotional anxiety and not chemically caused by caffeine or alcohol. 
In other words, if someone is thinking a certain way, that's going to affect their feelings and their emotions, and that's going to influence certain behaviors. So if someone is stuck on a past experience they've not been able to get over and it's causing them emotional turmoil, it's because of the way they think about that experience that is causing their emotional and behavioral problems or symptoms. And if I can interrupt for one moment, um, a lot of times people don't even know they've got trauma. Um, I'm a good example of that. Well, the me in the past, I didn't think I was traumatized, but I had all these symptoms. And so just like you were saying, Todd, people come in with symptoms, which they think is their problem. Exactly. But there's something underneath that. Exactly. Exactly. And so most people, they think, well, I'm depressed or I have anxiety or I'm an anxious person or I'm an angry person or I'm an addict or I'm a smoker or an overeater or an alcoholic, whatever it might be, when the truth is that's all symptom recognition. The truth is that if these people were to resolve the way they think about things habitually, then their emotional and behavioral problems would dissolve often immediately, and if not, very quickly. Mm -hmm. That's just what we've seen. You know, I've been doing this for over 13 years, and that's what I've seen for sure. If a practitioner looks at their client and thinks of them as simply someone with PTSD or another anxious person, it's very hard in the practitioner's mind to actually see that person as healed, whole, and problem resolved. They instead see that person as a diagnosis or as a person who has this label that they have to struggle with. If you were to think about it as a thinking problem that can be resolved, which is how we think of every one of our clients, then our mindset is already focused on the outcome, a successful outcome. So it's really important. We believe everyone can overcome their problem. It's not a matter of if we can resolve it. It's just a matter of how we're going to resolve it and how quickly it's going to happen. And more importantly, how willing the client is to work together to actually solve it. For sure. Absolutely. Well, it's important for our clients to tell us what they're aware of that may have been contributing to their issues. And sometimes people are not consciously aware, but most of the time they are. And if they hold that back and don't tell us... Especially if we ask. Especially if we ask. Yeah, we have some examples of that where people did not get the best results because they deliberately... They held back. They held back and hid things from us that would have really helped us you know, pinpoint the issue more effectively and more efficiently. So the first thing is, like I've already mentioned, people are whole people with thinking problems that can be resolved. People are not their problem. They just have thinking problems that can be solved first. Second, right, not mental problems, thinking problems, thinking problems, because it's not that there's an inherent problem in the brain. Many of these chemical imbalances result from a habitual way of thinking, which affects brain chemistry. If you think in a stressful way constantly, that's going to consistently alter your brain chemistry and your stress hormone uh, system. So you create imbalances based on thinking, and when you change the thinking, it corrects the chemical imbalance. So number two, we address the underlying cause, as Gina mentioned, not just the symptoms. So while, yes, we want to help people resolve their anxiety or their compulsive behaviors, by focusing just on that, it takes much longer to resolve than if we deal with the underlying root of the weed, so to speak, which is the, the way of thinking, very often it's based on a traumatic experience. And number three, we work with the subconscious mind 
primarily, and the conscious mind, but primarily the work of a hypnotist is to address the subconscious mind, and that is where the problem and the solution both lie. Boom. Exactly. So your subconscious controls your beliefs, your emotional responses, and your habits. Your habits of behavior, habits of belief, habits of emotion. So when you only work consciously, you're going to have a very limited, often short-term result because you need to deal with what's beneath the surface, and that's the subconscious. So through hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming and some other methods we use, we're able to shift the subconscious, and that leads to a long-term, often permanent shift in the way someone thinks, feels, and acts. Remember, the, the, the subconscious mind is vastly more powerful than the conscious mind, which is why things that we tend to resolve consciously at a conscious level, whether it's being aware of when we do that habitual habit, like washing our hands all the time, even though now you should be, but, you know, if it's a compulsion almost, um, being aware of the issue and redirecting your actions only goes so far. It might take a long time to, to, to retrain your mind at a conscious level, but subconsciously it's so quickly, it's so quick. It's pretty amazing. And if you've got anything else to say, I'm going to jump into a couple. No, please do because we have a couple uh, okay, of your so, past clients that are really interesting. So I have uh, one of my past clients. She was a really nice girl. Her problem, quote unquote, and I put that in quotes because it wasn't really her problem, um, was that she picked her face a lot. And she was a pretty girl, nice girl. Uh, I think she grew up with a alcoholic mom or dad, but there was some turmoil in her house growing up. And I think she was really picked on by her siblings. But what I, what I do remember for sure is that she'd been to a dermatologist tried all these creams and things to help her skin because she thought her skin was the problem. When in reality, okay, so maybe it's a little problematic here and there, but just don't go crazy picking at it. And so what happened was after I spoke with her just for a few minutes, and of course, after her reading her, her intake forms, I had a pretty good idea of why she was picking her face before I even met her. So when I met her, I just wanted to be sure. And sure enough, she had low self-worth, and she felt like her life was out of control. And so one way that she could feel in control as often as she wanted was when she picked her face. As odd as that sounds, you might think to yourself, why on earth would someone want to pick their face knowing it's going to hurt, take longer in the morning uh, to get ready and cover up uh, imperfections in your skin, so on and so forth. Remember, so it, the subconscious mind works um, with instant gratification. It wants you to feel good in the moment. So in that moment, she felt like she was in control. She felt like she was in control because she could control where her fingers went, how far she dug, and then if she succeeded or if she was able to pop a zit, she just felt like victorious and rewarded. So, so if she was doing this to uh, at least... The subconscious was thinking to make her, to remove imperfections temporarily from her face, which in the long term made Possibly. it worse, but immediately. That's possible okay. because of low self-worth. Yeah, I can see how that's, that's linked. Um, but I think she felt in control when she was picking her face. So all I had to work on was her self-worth, maybe a couple memories and neutralize how she felt about that. Therefore, how she thought about the person uh, that was causing her distress most of her life. 
once we worked on her anxious feelings and her low self-worth and just a couple of memories, I, I, I only saw her for a month. I saw her about four or five times and, and she did great. I didn't even touch the issue of face picking and she did great. Mm -hmm. She stopped picking her face every week. She looked better and better. No more dermatologists, no more expensive creams, no more any of that. So that's a really interesting example of cause versus symptom. Because you changed the way she, you helped her change how she thought her. about herself and her life and that right. changed how she felt. Right. And then the compulsive or impulsive, depending on which one, it, what kind it was. She felt like she was on. more in control of her life. And of course we don't have control, but she was able to let go of some control. And therefore she just felt more calm. And therefore, she didn't feel a need to sit in front of the mirror every day and, and pick at her face, sometimes for hours on end. That was, and, that's great. Yeah, and she referred a bunch of people to me. So what about the next the So next I had somebody else who, this is an interesting story. Um, I had a client come in for insomnia. And he actually came to us because he couldn't go anywhere else. Uh, to talk about what was bothering him or why he was having issues sleeping. He was a he was very aware. Um, he worked for the government. And I don't even know what he did. He couldn't even tell me what field or area he was in. Um, it was super top secret. So probably one of the three-letter agencies. Yes. <laughs> CIA, FBI, and... Who knows? It could be ATF, DEA. I don't even know what that is. NSA, all those different ones. Sure. Okay. So anyway, so he couldn't tell me even what he did. I just knew he worked for the government. Um, and so clearly, I'm sure he'd seen some shit or done some shit or both. I don't know. But he had really awful memories that were causing him to lose sleep. And so without even needing to know what it was, I just needed to know if the feeling had shifted and, if, and, and what had changed each time we went through a process. And... Once he was able to smile and laugh about the memory, which minutes before that was causing him to be angry and sad and his face was frowning and everything. But what's cool about that is he came to us because he couldn't talk about what he does. Right. And so as hypnotists, and not just us, this goes for everybody who's a hypnotist, we don't need to know exactly what happened as long as they know, as long as the client knows. And quite frankly, sometimes I don't want to know <laughs> yeah. everyone's detail or everyone's story. I don't need to know all the details. I just need to know something messed up happened. He knew he was losing sleep when he got that job with the government. So we worked on a few memories and by the end of a couple sessions, he was smiling about it. I, I want to mention one thing that you were alluding to is that sometimes while it may make us feel a little better temporarily to talk about our problem, or story. Or story. That's where I'm going with that. Is that one of the main problems about someone talking and talking and rehashing again and again, session after session in talk therapy, the main problem is that what's happening is in the brain, we're reinforcing those connections. We're reinforcing the story. And a lot of the time, what stops people from creating lasting change in their life, positive change, is that they get attached to their story. They tell mm -hmm. everyone whether they're seeking sympathy or they're complaining. And the more they tell their story, the more that becomes part of their identity. And that's mm -hmm. a lot harder to shift than just, okay, it was a story. And so Your story does not define you. And that's one reason why sometimes it can get in the way if someone gets too far into their story. So if they want to talk about it, usually it's during our initial 
you know, consultation with them. It might just be they talk for 10, 15 minutes about the past, and then we get enough of an idea right there to know where to go from there. Right. We don't need to know everything to know where things are coming from. But your next story, which is really profound. This is a good one. You know, so. She was one of my my first, um, I would say, trauma client. Um, One of them. Uh, This was uh, several years ago. Oh, yeah. 2016. Yeah, almost four years ago. Um, So she was, again, super nice girl, super sweet. She came to me with a list of things slash issues slash problems slash they were all symptoms except for one or two um, that she wanted help with. And the new me back then was thinking, oh, Jesus Christ. But once I looked at the... (laughs) But once I started looking at the list and I started really reading it that I have in my hand right now, I, as I was reading it, I just thought these are all symptoms. And for example, some of them, fear of death, losing loved ones, getting sick, airplane turbulence, fear of sharks, communicate, communicating more efficiently, fear of cheating or being cheated on. These are all her fears, failure, rejection, success, not being good enough, being poor, being I'm not sure what her, she being says Being judged there. for her handwriting, maybe? Uh, not being in control. <laughs> the unknown. And then negative behavior she wanted to improve was self-sabotage, disrespect myself, negative thinking, negative self-talk, being too rigid or too flexible, I need balance, extremely self-conscious, insecure, self-indulgent, spending money, eating junk, being lazy, being disorganized, being mean to myself, unmotivated, excess worry in capital letters, overthinking, procrastination, self-doubt, self-defeating, and when it comes to her weight overeating, she wanted to eat healthier, meaning veg- more vegetables, fruits, and more natural foods. Um, reduce portions, replace sugar for fruits, more natural, less processed, stopping obsessed with food, believe that it's possible to maintain good physical health and weight, motivate myself to work out, believe that working out is fun. And when it comes to her childhood, she wanted to forgive her parents, understand her critical and unloving mother, understand my selfish, uncaring dad, move on, I need peace. And what she wanted was to feel loved, appreciated, respected, <laughs> comprehended, feel that I have support and I'm stable, feel accepted, uh, appreciated, love, like, and respect myself, feel like I deserve to be successful. She wanted to deserve to be happy. She wanted to stop worrying so much. She wanted to be more active physically and enjoy working out, be focused, be more present, grounded, never doubt herself and her abilities, use her potential, do her best, confident, optimism. <laughs> Still with me? Yeah. Feel that I'm worth it and that I'm good enough. Never let people abuse or take advantage of me. Ooh. That's interesting based on her uh, her, her uh, root cause. Discipline, wait. She wanted to wake up earlier and be more balanced. So I looked at this. Go ahead, Tom. I just want to jump in and say. Yeah, this, that's a lot. That's a, I mean, there's like 50-something items on that list. That's like 150. Yeah, like 50 symptoms. So here's the thing. I think most of those issues, maybe with the exception of sharks and all 40, that stuff, 60. Mo- most of those issues, whether what she wants or what she doesn't want, probably describes most people to yeah. some degree. I mean, most most of us want more of some of those things and less of some of them. So, so she was really on the surface. She was very clear about... But she was very normal in the sense, not healthy, I would say, but very typical. typical. Yeah. Okay, so so what what how did it go? And so I I spoke to her, read her forms, and when I see stuff like this, especially if she's she was a little overweight, like maybe thirty pounds of weight, so nothing terrible, but she was overweight, and I asked her if she'd been through anything traumatic in her life, and she had been through uh, trauma. It wasn't just one experience; it was basically her whole teenage years, starting at age twelve or thirteen. So what happened was. 
this client of mine, her mom was involved in a cult and she was selling her daughter, who was my client, to a guru. Um, her entire teenage years, you know, lost her virginity to this guru, this man, because her mother thought that she would get enlightenment if she gave the guru that one last thing she hadn't given him. Wow. Yeah, it's really messed up. And and again, it's, sometimes it's not what happened. It's it's how you interpret it. It's not so much the guru who was raping her for years and years. It's the mom. It's it's how she felt unloved and rejected by her mom. You know, because of all this, that was creating her problems. So we had a lot of issues with her mom we, we worked with, which was a lot of fun. Um, it's amazing the changes that happened so quickly. And I saw her for about a month and a half every week or so. And... She did everything she was asked to do. She did all of her assignments and homework I gave her. She was great. She came in the day of her last session, Todd, and with this list mm -hmm. that she had shown me, and she'd highlighted every single thing that had improved. And she showed it to me, and she said, look, all these things improved, every single thing. And that's what I told her when I first met her. I said, these are all symptoms, and all these things should get better as long as, as you work with me here. Um, and it did. The only thing that did not improve was her fear of sharks, which is pretty, and, 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 and turbulence on an airplane, right. which that even got a little better. Sure. Cause her anxiety was, was lower. Oh, and that's also a control issue. Right. Fear of sharks. You know, sharks is understandable and, sure. and that's totally unrelated. And that's totally the only yeah. thing that didn't get better. And she was totally aware of that. Yeah. Um, 40, 48 out of 50 is pretty damn good. Right. So that is an amazing, amazing, amazing uh, client story. And that was your first of several. Uh, you've seen a not both of us, but you've seen a lot of women who have had uh, been victims of sexual abuse, whether mm -hmm. it's like this, a sex slave, or someone who was raped by mm -hmm. a number of men, or molested by you know as a child by her uh, uncle or relative. You know, all the, a lot of these different situations, because resolving trauma is one of our specialties, simply because. So many people with various issues with self-worth and anxiety and addictions and all sorts of limitations and problems in their life, relationships, money, career, are rooted in unresolved trauma. So that, that's fantastic. So you, you, know, you help those people resolve their issues because you dealt with the underlying cause, not mm -hmm. just the symptom. And I think how important it is to ask the right questions to find out what the root cause is. True. True. You know, you need to figure out what's causing all these symptoms, which the client comes in saying their problems, but their symptoms. And we explain that to them. It's so important to be able to discern and identify what is causing these symptoms by asking the right questions. After my first year or so, I had a rape client, you know, who she'd been raped. And I didn't know that reading her forms. And as long as you ask the right questions, it's that's key. Yeah. Absolutely. So we hope you found that informative and enlightening in terms of understanding the importance of having this certain philosophy or set of guiding beliefs as practitioners on how we resolve things. So if you're getting help that they share these beliefs or at the very least the practitioner has a way of thinking about things so that they can see the problem as separate from you as an individual and that you and the problem are not the same 
that you were not born with any of these issues, which means you had to learn them at some point. And what we do and what a good hypnotist will do is help you unlearn these issues at the root. And then from that point on, you've pulled the weeds out by the root, they're gone, and you can let your flowers grow in your garden. Mm-hmm. That sounds beautiful. Isn't that nice? I think I'm going to go water our garden right now. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with others who might benefit too. Follow our podcast at www.goodwinwakeupcalls.com to be notified as new episodes are released. If you have questions or topics you'd like us to address, email wakeupcalls at goodwinhypnosis.com. And visit goodwinhypnosis.com if you'd like our help to overcome a personal challenge. We'll talk to you soon.